Well, hello everyone. We are back. The we are back. Uh, the average Trinity. <laughs> we're not the Holy Trinity, but we're no. not as bad as the an unholy Trinity. So the average Trinity, Richard, Stephen, Angela. That just means there's three of us. We yeah. don't mean any holiness in that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's coming like Jesus. We're going through Luke. Um, we had a chapter with so many things that needed talking about last week that mm. it was, yeah, it was, I mean, we really tried to keep it as short as we could and it was a long. If you hung in there, thank you. Yeah, amazing. And please come, uh, come find us. But we will be shorter today. Yes. Like um, a, a simpler chapter. I say simpler, but I feel like Luke's writing is so complex mm. and nuanced and clever. There's like, you could... I, I, you could spend a lifetime sort yeah. of analyzing and understanding and seeing all the clever connections and mm. things going on in Luke. But we're not going to see it all because our job is to say enough so that hopefully as you're reading it, you're getting more out of it mm. and mm. Um, it's making more sense. And so, yeah, we're, we're going to dive into chapter 17. So last week... I mean, we're, we're sort of in this phase where Jesus is getting closer to the end of his ministry. Uh, some of his tensions with like the religious leaders are, are sort of bubbling closer to the surface and in a more mm, spiky ways mm. like mm. because they're going to lead to him being crucified. So that's the ultimate. Mm. Um, but Jesus is also, um, he's been... I, I don't know. I feel like there's a bit of a flow in Luke where like we get like kingdom values and examples and invitations and the tone towards the end, we actually get a little more like, you know, beware of this and mm, mm. we get some more warnings as well. So the, you know, the tone has shifted a little bit, which mm. totally makes sense. And, um, we've been, uh, Luke's in a, a, like a section of the way he's writing is, showing us like little incidents that are occurring with lots of Jesus's teaching sprinkled amidst. Mm -hmm. So we've had like the action scene setting up the who, the where, the when, yeah. the what stuff. And then we get a lot of like the content stuff in the middle of Luke. And then like we get back to some quite fast paced action yeah. um, at the end. So that's where we're at. And, and last week we had some parables that had a lot to do with our values, our priorities, especially around money mm. and wealth and, and power and things like that. And so um, this week, it's a little bit of a shift yeah. from that. It, we actually were treated last week to having, I think, chapter divisions yeah. that were in good places. Like the start of chapter 16 does mark like, hey, mm. here's a new theme. And then the theme finishes at the end of the chapter. <laughs> yeah. um, we don't have that in chapter 17. <laughs> We've got a couple of different scenes, yeah. even within, and some seem to <coughs> perhaps even continue onward. I, I get a sense in a lot of this that it, what we're seeing, too, is Jesus' heart um, and his compassion for um, disciples and uh and Pharisees of really just speaking, oh, you're you're that close on some things, but you're not quite there. Yeah. And there's always a warning in there. And I think these parables are a way to also just 
bring this familiarity, a, a different tactic rather than you know mm-hmm. directly on all the time, but a, a different way for them to think about it, things they can recognize in order to understand perhaps how they've thought of, they've had some misunderstandings. Yeah, of, definitely. You know. It's it's um, it's like a continual game of spot the difference. Mm-hmm. Like the way of the kingdom, the way of Jesus is different to what you're going to expect yeah. or what you thought or yeah. where you're currently at. Mm-hmm. So each time we're getting these challenges. And it's interesting because some of the differences are oh, yeah, the way of Jesus is different to the way of some of the other ways in the first century, Mm -hmm. you know. But some of what it's different to are just some of the attitudes in the broken human heart, like the coping mechanisms we've come up with to deal with living broken lives in a broken world that are common across loads of culture and time. So it can feel like the challenge is like we can read it as, as directed really close to us mm-hmm. without much need for cultural kind of translation yeah. as well. But you're right, it, it is um, like a series of, it's like Jesus is trying to define, like, mm. hey, there's a way and it's radically different. And mm. he's, he's having to sort of put guardrails around it, mm. like, oh, it's different in this way, it's different in this way, it's different mm-hmm. in this way, and just kind of hem it in with all these differences mm-hmm. to help us understand what we're actually being invited to mm-hmm. as his disciples. Yeah. No, that's a good way of thinking of it. Yeah. yeah. So let, so we've got um, like a, a few like short teachings mm-hmm. on different themes, but themes that sort of connect together, mm-hmm. like uh, – they, they correlate with each other. And this was like a, a way rabbis would often teach. And it's called uh, a string of pearls. Mm. You know, like they would they would say something, say something about another topic and then about another topic, but then you would hold the thing up and be oh, like, oh, I see, oh, there's good. like a completeness to that, you know. Yeah, that's and helpful. So, so the first thing is about uh, tempt, being tempted to sin mm. and how to respond to sin. Mm, mm. And so, yeah, right in the, right in the deep end, Jesus. Um, I, I, I sort of think it's, I don't know, because we, Luke is pulling out like the, the maybe some of the intense action moments or relational mm. moments or teaching moments without the intervening normalcy of life. So we've just had like some epic parables and amazing challenges. And then, you know, just the way we're reading it, it's like, you know, Jesus turned the corner, turned around to his disciples and said, temptations to sin will come. Yeah. You know, and it's just sort of like, really? Is that like, could we just catch a breath? Yeah. But there's, there will have been intervening time between these mm. things. So it's like on another mm. occasion. Um, yeah. And so it, it's sort of interesting. Um Actually, there's a few different warnings in here. Yeah. So it's it's short enough. Maybe I'll just read it and we'll sure. start to, to pull out each of the warnings. So it's, it says, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It'd be better for him if a millstone was hung around his neck and he was cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Mm. 
it's like there's a lot there's like how to think of ourselves how to think about sin how to think about other people when they sin how to think about other people when they're trying to turn from sin Mm. yeah Mm. there's there's a lot of stuff going on here Mm. Uh, and and it's real like i I like how it's just an instruction in the order of which things should happen um I wonder, it's, you know, it says if your brother or sister sins. <laughs> I wonder if it should say when your brother or sister sins. I mean, yeah. because we all do. <laughs> but um, but the first step I think is interesting um, is if, if it happens to you, it's on you to rebuke them. Um, and then how do, if they respond, if they repent, then forgive them. Um, forgive them only if they repent, Richard. That I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting question as well. Let's come back to that. I know. I, I, wanna, I jumped you through just said two a little things. bit down. Yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to say something about both. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I, I think the first thing you were saying about like the rebuke him is really interesting. Because mm-hmm. if it was just this first part, the first couple of verses, like temptations are going to come, but like woe to the one through who they come. I'd be thinking like, oh, the main point here is you're saying like, don't be that guy. Right. right. Don't cause other people to sin. And that's true. Yeah. Like that is a consequence of what Jesus has yeah. said. But he then goes on to pay attention to yourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, so that is pay attention to yourselves. Like don't be that person yourself. And pay attention because he opens up with almost the certainty of actually the temptations will come along. Yeah. So be pay on, attention to be both on watch sides. for them. Yeah. 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 So that's definitely it. Yeah. That, that's a part of it. But then, and if your brother sins. Yeah, yeah. So the watchfulness is like, oh, I want to I wanna pay attention to my brother and know that if he's like sinning, that he may be bringing sin into others. That like mm, the, the mm. seriousness of sin is that it spreads like a cancer. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, it, and the, the harm affects others and, and uh, yeah, things like that. And so... It's actually understanding the woe that my brother may be causing by his sin mm-hmm. and compassionately the woe that will come to him if he sins. Mm. At first that it's might knowing, make me go like, dude, you got to stop. Yeah, and it's identifying that even that thing is sinful. Yeah. You know, first, is it a sin? Identify if it's a sin and then identify what it, the effects of it yeah. within the person mm. and within the community. And the re- this is an interesting, like, there's a practical, like, okay, what does this look like? Are we supposed to, like, go downtown on a Friday night right, and right. rebuke all the people who are drunk? Like, what, like, who's my brother? Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like Jesus had some interesting stuff to say about yes, that question yes. in the past, right? Like, who our brother is might be actually a little different than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be not just the people in our inner circle, mm-hmm. but um, it's a lot easier. Uh, well, in some ways, it. it I was gonna, <laughs> I'm going to disagree with myself before I even get the <laughs> sentence out. Because in some ways, it's easier to have a conversation of like, I think what you're doing is wrong, mm-hmm. with someone close to you, because. I don't know, in our culture, we don't cross the boundary lines of, like, uh, imposing on a stranger. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you? You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I, I can understand the dynamics where the person close to you can be harder 
to have that conversation mm. with. To receive the truth. But I, but I think it also depends on the style of conversation you want to have. Mm. Because we're supposed to like rebuke in love. Like mm-hmm. I think of that proverb mm-hmm. that says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Mm-hmm. It's like there's something about knowing and trusting a friend who loves you. Mm-hmm. Where when they say something that really hurts you can trust that pain to have a purpose and a meaning. You don't need to get defensive and try and wriggle away from it. And like if a, friend's, if a friend is hurting you in a loving way, it's probably actually they're putting a finger on a symptom, on a nerve right. that actually needs to be exposed as a symptom of something. Yeah. That's why it hurts so much is because deep down you know it's true because they know you so well, yeah. right? And yeah. they love you and that's their motivation for speaking. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And yeah, the the brother part is interesting because it's a a theologically laden word. Yeah, it does mean those that you have some sort of connection to, Mm -hmm. that your life and their life affect each other. Mm. But, you know, I can't help but think of the parable of the Good Samaritan, like who's my neighbor, which is close to, you know. Um, But... Yeah, like we are a conflict-averse society. Mm. So I can imagine mm-hmm. us having a predisposition to think who's my brother and if, my, if it means people I ought to be watchful over and help guard, help them watch themselves, mm-hmm. um, help watch the community. That's going to be a hard thing. So I want, I want the brother, Paul, to be as small as possible. <laughs> and I think... You know, Jesus, is he's done quite a lot to sort of widen that pool out. Um, yeah, I think of like the book of James, you know, talks about this. Like, you know, if you, um, you know, sort of engage with someone, you can uh, and bring that like reconciliation and forgiveness You can w- w- in love that you can cover a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. Like you could turn a course that might affect a, a whole bunch of people away from a bunch of sin and its consequences. Interesting. It is, um, so that, that, that makes me think of a little bit as, as we're talking about this, brothers, and I guess my question would be, is this, is Jesus addressing sin that's occurring um, between, within the church? Um, and is that's what is binding them in a brotherhood? Mm-hmm. Um, or is this, hey, this is a, a non-believer that comes and sins against me? Um, I guess I've been reading this as this is within the church family, the brotherhood of uh, the brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in yeah. Christ that are and, and should have an awareness of sin yeah. um, and have sort of already... M- followers of Christ has brought them together as brothers. Yeah. yeah. And it is, I think it is like those participants in the kingdom. Yeah. 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 I think it is okay. because it becomes, it's a term that Jesus uses in a certain way yeah. that the apostles pick up. Mm. It's like, mm. that's the other half of what I was going to say. This theologically laden word oh. where brother doesn't just mean like DNA, yeah. like fraternal yeah. brother, but it also it doesn't mean like, oh, they're like a brother to me. It's just someone really close to me, yeah. someone I live with, you know. Um, but 
I mean, Jesus said it this way when uh, people asked him about family. You know, he said, who's my mother? Who's my brothers? And he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my bro- my mother and my brothers. Anyone who dis- does the will of my father in heaven yeah. is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Mm-hmm. So it's, and that's sort of, there's an interesting thing here about does our, do our rebuking others muscles, you know, calling things out. Yeah. Are they primarily to be exercised to influence the world or to influence the people of God in the world yeah. to, to be a better salt, to be a saltier mm-hmm. salt, mm-hmm. to be a more illuminating light, mm-hmm. uh, to be a more holy like mm-hmm. our Father mm-hmm. is holy. And it is, it's a little bit more focused that, on the inside that the influence might go out because we're actually, our influence to the world is going to be a little different. Mm. Um, yeah. And I mean, I look at this as he's preparing his disciples for ministry, for the work that they're going to be doing after he's gone. And so this is like disciple boot camp. It is. And um, so first get it right amongst yourselves before you can actually go outside the circle yeah. and affect others. Because we as disciples need to be authentic and get it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that without yeah. Jesus. We can't do that without yeah. the Holy Spirit, um, which they will have. Um, but uh, but that's how I always took this yeah. passage. Mm-hmm. And rebuke is like, hey, that's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. I actually, this relate like a conversation we were having before we recorded. Yes. Not about Luke, but we were just talking mm-hmm. about like a practical situation. Like what do we do? How And how do we treat someone who like they don't know Jesus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really hard mm-hmm. to give a, like a proper, like the kind of rebuke Jesus is talking about here to someone who just doesn't know God at all. Because mm-hmm. you're saying like, hey, I know that you don't know this is right. You don't know what you're doing. You don't understand anything yeah. about this. But I'm going to tell you, hey, you know you shouldn't be doing that. Stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Rebuke you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, that just won't I, go I, well. <laughs> I, I think. I think with people who just don't know Jesus, it's like the tactic is more like try and win that person, try mm-hmm. and save that person, have compassion on that person, teach that person. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, like when, like the things Jesus taught and the, the people he taught and the people he rebuked is a really interesting yeah. um, sort of, I don't know, a way to think this through. You could read through the Gospels and just like have a bit of paper with a few different headings, yeah. you know, like taught, compa- showed compassion, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, just left room for and rebuked and. Yeah, it, it's well, kind of it's kind of interesting because it's not just the Pharisees. Yeah. Like he rebukes the disciples at times, yeah. and uh, like he d- he does rebuke a range of people. But like why and when is mm. um, yeah, it's very informative to go through and look at that. Well, it's I'm I'm thinking too because he's using two types of people in here when he ta- he's talking to his disciples. He talks about rebuking and um, forgiving for your brother. So we've kind of covered that. But he says the in verse, uh, at the end of verse 2, who are the little ones, these mm-hmm. little ones here? Is he, I mean, it seems like we've got this, because we know disciples are going to be going out, as Angela said, sort of in boot camp into the world. And our little ones, people who aren't there, I, I, 
maybe they're they're on a journey, but they perhaps they haven't, you know, really um, accepted. And so yeah. don't cause, please don't cause those people to stumble. Don't you be the cause of their stumbling. That's mm-hmm. terrible. That's a mm-hmm. big warning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Because mm-hmm. it's a picture mm-hmm. of a vulnerable one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Think. yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's interesting because we've just been reading through a bunch of parables where we've had like the vulnerable outcasts oh, invited yeah. to a feast, the lost sheep yeah, being yeah. brought back into the fold, yeah. the damaged prodigal son being mm-hmm. welcomed back home you know it's sort of um yeah it's like that there is supposed to flow from the community yeah like a safety to, mm-hmm. to bring people into mm-hmm. and sin disrupts yeah. that dynamic um which which is why and, mm-hmm. and jesus is like when you see it being disrupted like that you need to do something about mm-hmm. it but then that is paired with because there is something about human pride, insecurity. It's really easy to make ourselves feel better at ourselves by mm-hmm. shouting at others. You know, there's just all sorts of unhealthy things that can happen where we can take an invitation to be on guard and rebuke others and come up with a really mm-hmm. unhealthy expression of it, yeah, yeah. which is why I think it's so important that paired with it oh, if, yeah. is, and if he repents... Forgive him, yeah. bring him, and not just forgive, but like reconcile, bring yeah. him back in. And this is the interesting because that was the other thing you were saying. That like, was my other question. I wanted only to get if to. they repent yeah. and why so yeah. many times. Like why? What is it about this person that enables you that you know something about the dynamic of them which releases you to receive their repentance and offer forgiveness? And I think it's because they're a brother. Hmm. Like because they know Jesus, like the, there's a, I don't know. And, and this is interesting because there's a there's a bit of me just dealing with people that wants to be maybe a bit more cynical, and a bit more like, well, you know, if you know Jesus and you've repented before, but then like you keep doing it, like I don't know if you really understand grace or mm-hmm. you really are interacting with this well or, you know. Um, it, it's a kind of I want to protect from future harm mm-hmm. and I guess one of the harms I might find myself wanting to protect from is the need to go through rebuking you and you repenting again and so it's easier to protect from that to be like uh, you know you keep you keep doing this so you're on your own and actually, like, the father's not like that. Mm-hmm. Right? And, Jesus and so we're not supposed to be like that with each other. Right. He we're supposed to keep leaving room for redemption, for reconciliation, for healing. Is that how he ties in sort of this next section? Because it seems like the disciples are like, hey, this call for increase our faith is almost like, how are we going to do that? I think Help us with that. Yeah, and, I think and, faith is needed. And And... Because it takes faith in God's work yeah. to offer someone grace. Yeah. Like I, I could be an optimist about humans, right? And and just keep welcoming people back. Yeah. Yeah. But without seeing God at work and without a hope that something's possible, mm. you are surely going to end up a cynic mm-hmm. eventually. 
Like it's only faith that will mm-hmm. keep us from becoming a cynic about people and be able to genuinely mm-hmm. in love offer forgiveness mm-hmm. and actually, and the the forgiveness is the kind of like, I tell you the angels in heaven will rejoice mm-hmm. when that person comes back. It's, you know, yeah. And is it, can, can we genuinely do that when someone seven times blown it and when they turn back for the seventh time like yes you know yeah. and well it takes a lot is, is that also faith i mean because as jesus is standing before them too like part of that i i guess what where this is pointing me is faith in what jesus has accomplished allows me to say that you know my real faith in saying no jesus absolutely answered this mm-hmm. and has made a way for that for forgiveness uh, for redemption renewal to be possible yeah that that fa- uh, my faith in that re- um, relinquishes me from believing that uh, you on your own power are gonna you know you're just mm-hmm. going through this cycle like no it may t- look like it's taken a while but actually Jesus has done the work that confirms that um, you'll uh, that he's gonna make you right yeah yeah, yeah. He's, he'll restore us yeah yeah um, and then the other thing you asked was like do you have to repent to be forgiven mm. yeah which is interesting that's key I read yeah. these verses and I say okay well I mean people have done wrong to me. And yeah. they haven't said sorry, and they haven't repented. Does is does this passage mean I shouldn't forgive them? Yeah. So so, so I want to say you don't need to repent to be forgiven. Mm. Okay, that's freeing. And, that, and that this is that sounds controversial <laughs> because you know often the gospel gets shared mm-hmm. as like yes. if you repent, God will forgive you. Right, John the but Baptist. If, if you right? don't, yeah. So the mm-hmm. called, and I I think in our relationship with Mm. God, there's a like, have we begun a trajectory of submission to God and his ways in faith? Mm -hmm. That's like what the repentance is really to do with. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we are going to discover when we see Jesus face to face and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And we're surprised Mm -hmm. that there's a whole bunch of stuff. He's like, I forgave you for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never repented, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I didn't repent for that thing, mm-hmm. but I repented of sin. I repented mm-hmm. of my mm-hmm. brokenness. I, I submitted to the, the acknowledgement that I need a savior, a rescuer, mm-hmm. a redeemer, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's all true. I, I think what's going on here, because there are some other passages which talk about how we can be proactive with our forgiveness, Mm-hmm. That forgiveness is like a force in a relationship that we can actually initiate a change of relationship with mm-hmm. by offering forgiveness. I mean, but I think what Jesus is trying to lock in, because it finishes with like, uh, if he says, I repent, you must forgive him. So it's it, it doesn't say, unless he says, I repent. You know, oh yeah, it doesn't oh, say that. That's doesn't good. say that. So this is just getting at like if someone repents, if someone comes to you and says, "I repent," like yeah. if I go to Steve and like yeah. Steve last week, I blew it. I'm really sorry, yeah. man. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Is there some sort of kingdom moral imperative on Steve? Yes, there is. Yeah, because he now, as a brother, 
is supposed to be representing Jesus' love and the Father's heart to me. Mm-hmm. And as a brother in the kingdom, we are bound to receive those mm. people back. Mm. It's it's a part of the heart for the lost one. Mm. That you know, it just it it's a part of what's been going on yeah. for chapters here that we we have to. Um so I I, th- I think there's you know I, we could have a long conversation here. We it seems like we could, doesn't um, it? Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> sidestep it because I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Does that mean if someone who is maybe a dangerous person, they've abused you, oh, right. you don't trust mm. them, um, does it mean that if, when they come to you and they say, I repent, that you then, like God is saying, you must receive them and everything they want, and if they want to put the relationship back to being like this, you have to do it. No, that's not what he's saying. Mm. Mm. Offering forgiveness means, hey, the thing that is the boundary, like the wall in the way of us moving towards reconciliation, I'm going to take down. The work of reconciling the relationship and figuring out the the healing in the relationship, Mm. that journey has been made possible. But the person, so this, this is not saying that like I could go to someone I've like hurt over and over and say I repent and they now have to treat me like someone who's never hurt them. Mm-hmm. you see yeah. the difference oh yeah yeah and so i think just keeping in view that forgiveness and reconciliation are connected but not the same concept yeah. can really help us then because i've just i know i've That's talked really with good. people who've had this mm-hmm. wrestle where they feel like i need to forgive i don't know how i want god to show me but i'm kind of scared to enter yeah. into god teach me how to forgive this person mm. because um they think it means giving that person carte blanche. Mm. Um, and and, th- and that's, that's not what the Bible says. Right. Mm. Yeah. So we we have to forgive. Yeah. Mm. We so have that's, to forgive. There's and as no, you were ta- no two ways around it. And that and that connection, I love how you drew the point between um repentance and forgiveness. We have to forgive when they repent. But then I was thinking, okay. We can forgive if they don't repent, and that's our choice, but that's the choice of freedom, of not being in bondage to yeah. to mm. their sin upon us anymore, yeah. right? So we get to forgive, not have to in that case, but we get to, yeah. because that's a freedom from from the sinful thing um, yeah. that we're, we've endured, yeah. that, and, um, and that's a gift. Yeah. And I would mm. add, and this is more like a conceptual philosophical point, I think we can be proactive in offering forgiveness. So if you imagine instead of a wall, it's like a force field. Mm. right? So this is great for an audio medium, but like Steve's sat mm. next to me on, on my right. right. So if I imagine there's a force field of yeah. unforgiveness, okay, he's not repented, but I want to forgive him. That now means I can walk through the force field towards him. Mm. Mm. But it is going to take repentance, even if I initiate the forgiveness, it's going to take repentance on his side to receive the forgiveness, Mm. to realize what's wrong and forgive himself so Mm -hmm. that he can move through the the force field towards me. Ooh, that's so So, good. So repentance, it, it is still... As we offer forgiveness, it can be super powerful, um, but it 
um, repentance is still in the picture. It's still even mm. when we are the, the rest ones initiating. Of the story. It, but it, we don't always have to have um, someone's repentance as a precondition. Yes. To okay. Forgiveness. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's sort of important yeah, as well. And, and hopefully that's helpful for everyone listening. It's yeah. a deep dive in this really. It is. Tough we said passage, we said we would go quicker. We've done three verses. But yeah. I know. But gonna, like this is. Sorry, we're going to speed up, guys. <laughs> have faith. The next bit's about faith. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's go. <laughs> so like you said, Steve, I yeah. like the next bit, it can feel unrelated, but I think Luke has put it together because there is something about it takes faith to be able yeah. to do this. Yeah. But the actual, the teaching by itself here is real simple and it's about how faith actually can make way more of a difference than we think. Mm. Mm. And so, and I actually love... You know, it says the the apostles said to Jesus, increase our faith. So there's something really interesting there where they're yeah. like watching Jesus and how he's operating his yeah, faith yeah. to the Father, allowing the Spirit to work and all this stuff. Um, and they're like, whatever special source you got, we ain't. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and they want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's really interesting, like the number of things, if we didn't know much theology at this point, we can imagine Jesus would say, like, well, I'm Jesus. Of course, you're not going to have faith like mine. Mm. Nope, doesn't say that. Right. Um, oh, well, you know, you just need to, you need to work at faith. You just need to like knuckle try under, harder. Try, harder, try harder, like believe more. How but, many times do we hear that in yeah. church too? Like, I just need to do it better. Yeah. That's not it. Yeah. Well... Uh, That's not it either. So, And I think those are two of the really normal things for us to think Mm -hmm. or feel Mm -hmm. when we're in a situation where we're struggling to believe God for something, right? Yeah, and I think there's whether it's we can use this to sort of beat ourselves up or I've seen this used to, you know, beat others. Well, that's not happening because you don't have enough faith. Because Mm -hmm. what Jesus is saying is if you have faith is... Small as a mustard seed, you can you know you can move mountains. You can tell this um, this this uh, this tree um, to get uprooted and jump in. Mm-hmm. And so, since that's not happening, and, and I don't think that's the right interpretation no. here at all. So, could you? Yeah, I think I, I want to quote the uh, the words of the wise one, uh-uh. Mar- Master Yoda. I knew ah, you were going to say Yoda. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> It's May the 4th. It is. It's May the 4th. Oh, yes. Be with you. We're getting it in, getting our nerd on. Awesome. (coughs) So, like, do you remember when Yoda says, like, already know you, that which you need? Yes. Mm -hmm. I think there's an element of that. It's like, guys, the faith you've got is enough. Is is okay. Like, the the deficiency you have is not that you need more faith. Just like the faith that you have is is powerful enough you, like the amount of yeah. faith you've got you can trust in a fragile weak expression of faith like i i, I find it so comforting the way jesus interacted with that centurion and said do you believe mm-hmm. and the centurion said i believe lord and forgive forgive my unbelief help me with my unbelief yeah you know mm-hmm. it's like just knowing that in him he had mm. doubt mm-hmm. and faith and Jesus was like, good, that's 
Mm. Kind of mm. what I expect. Let's use that faith. Yeah. yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so there's a little bit of like, already have you that which you need. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like when Luke's trying to get the X Wing out of the swamp, mm-hmm. he's like, I can't do it. Like, I, I tried. Yeah. And you're just like, there is no try. There is oh, you no do. Try. And it's sort of, that's the other call here a little bit. It's like, guys, you've like, seeing that your faith could be bigger, don't make that turn into, well, so, you know, before I, go perform anything with my faith i'm gonna like Mm. sit on it and practice like this is like uh we were talking about uh music the other day and performing Mm -hmm. you know like how how it can be hard to perform in front of others right and so if you like if you've learned to play an instrument and you're like and you learned because you wanted to play music for people that's like i've got some faith i want to use it it'd be really easy to be like oh yeah but before i perform i should Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should practice more, mm. and it and it can lead to like a never being ready to step out in faith. Like, oh, you know, I, I, I just, I don't want to. I think God wants to do this, but I'm not. I'm not going to step out yet because I feel like I just want to be more certain. I want to have a faith that's more sure about what's going to happen. That it's going to be okay. And mm. Like, no, like faith looks like stepping in weakness mm. often, and it's kind of like a fool's errand. Yeah to play the game of, oh, I bet I can have a bit more faith because it will actually immobilize you. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus is doing is like, no, guys, mobilize, which is really interesting because the invitation to mobilize has been a little bit of a theme mm. um, in the last chapter as well. Mm-hmm. So just, mm-hmm. yeah. So a very Yoda verse. Very Yoda verse. <laughs> so, but in this next part, I really think it's interesting because he's, He's talking about like the heart attitude of, of the servant um, towards the master. Yeah. And so this is like next little scene. Mm-hmm, next yeah. little scene. So, so what do you think of this? Of I mean, the fact that uh, the lesson at the end is, is, you know, it says we are unworthy servants. You have to think we are unworthy servants. We have we have only done our duty. Um, and he's so, I, I mean, I just, this really struck me as like he's teaching to the heart attitude of the servant to realize, to talk to them about um, as they are serving in the kingdom, right? Is that what he's talking about? As they're serving in the kingdom where they, um, where they're to remember um their obedience first to, to answering the call um, and to be humble about it. Yeah, and it's a, it's a humility against, I, I, like you could write a subtitle here, a lesson against entitlement. Yeah. And it's the kind of humility that doesn't see oneself as entitled to certain things. Like I'm not motivated by trying to get something out of this i'm doing it because i I, i'm just i am a servant because i think there's lots of things people do this is the classic like um giving to charity giving to non-profit game like the ethics of it like there's a tv ad you know you see um like gaunt children in Mm -hmm. you know west africa during a famine you know, they play the the guilt and the fear card. Mm. And the question of like, 
is it really valuable if you give to assuage a guilt you've just been made to feel? Like to, to get out of some situation or to make yourself look good. You know, that that's the classic like offering plate is being passed around mm-hmm. in church, you know, and, you know, people are dropping in their envelope yeah, yeah, yeah. of, you know, and I, and I come with like coin of the realm yeah, and drop yeah. a bucket, you know, just really loudly, you know, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. am I, am I doing something to be seen? Mm, to, mm. And it, it kind of comes, I, I think it comes down to like, uh, like what makes me valuable and why am I doing it? So it's, it's actually becomes a little bit of a value question or mm-hmm. am I giving to charity or am I serving or am I doing something actually from a heart of compassion and, and things like that. And Jesus has a lot to say about giving in secret, mm-hmm. which helps protect our heart mm-hmm. from these things. But I, I think that's it. You've, you know, you've got servants and they, they just read like insecure servants who don't really understand what a servant is and think they're serving for a different reason than being a servant because right. their expectation is kind of validation. But actually it's the person who maybe has faith, who is secure, who doesn't need validation, that is free to actually like serve and give to someone else. And so it, it's because uh, I'm trying to translate this to like terms that seem kinder in our culture. Because mm-hmm. I think it's possible for us to read this and not think about the cultural dynamics and think, oh, Jesus is saying that we ought to walk around like self-abasing all the time. You know, like someone comes up to us and says something nice. So we're like, oh, no, no, I'm like, I'm unworthy. I'm a terrible person. I'm, right. you know, like all the time mm-hmm. just like, a- and trying to create a false sense of humility out of trying to make ourselves feel feel bad about ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's not what Jesus is saying. I, th- I think there's actually something more nuanced going on about actually there's a freedom in a person who um, has relinquished the expectation of reward, validation, or, or anything like that that can only happen from a place of having given yourself to something. So you've actually you've like made your peace with it you're secure in it uh, but it's it's kind of complicated because he's using the example of a servant yeah and the way we feel about slavery and servants yeah. is very different, different than the way people in the ancient world thought about it yeah and you know, i flash back to um you know when he sends out the 72 and they come back and they've done all this things these things for him and they're all high fives because hey the um, the spirits, uh, you know, we did all this stuff, and the spirits submit to us. And Jesus says, "Hey, don't rejoice in that. Um, rejoice that your names are in heaven." It's almost like, look, your rejoicing is it, it, part of that humility. Is that you're God's child, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and that's what you need to be happy for. And then our our response as God's children is looks like this yeah this humility and like you bring up the humility isn't it interesting because if you did title it a lesson against entitlement yeah that the next story is about some lepers getting cleansed yeah, yeah. 10 of them nine of whom acted like they were entitled to the healing mm-hmm. one of whom had this humility yeah. was almost surprised at what he received so 
this sort of attitude of how we see ourselves seems to affect our ability to like mm. give mm. and serve and do things for others. But it also seems to affect our ability to receive rightly as well, mm. which I think is true of entitlement, sure. right? Entitlement inhibits our ability to interact with others in a, a whole way, but it also affects, it damages our ability to receive yeah. um, properly. Receiving well is key. I love that this whole, all of this, pre the precursor is, and you already have enough faith to do this, yeah. you know? Because yeah. they were like, we want more, more, more. We just don't have enough. And you, so we just, you know, says you, but you have enough and, and and here here's here's how I want you, what I want you to do with it, yeah. um, in your humble heart attitude, in your ability to to receive well, and um, and that's going to look. And, and he gives this example of the ten men with leprosy because the ones who didn't receive well didn't turn back and didn't didn't thank the one who cleansed them. Yeah. Um, and so receiving is knowing the the source of healing and. And knowing him as a resource as well. And that the one out of these 10 lepers who turned back, praised God, mm -hmm. was, you know, grateful, um, was a Samaritan. Yes. So, so interesting. So you've mm -hmm. got this kind of like, well, you know, to, to receive well, to have gratitude, to respond rightly when God does something, don't you need to be like a better person, mm -hmm. a more righteous mm -hmm. person, yeah. a stronger person, yes. a, a more well person, not a leper, you know, like... No, you can actually be the first, like what in the mind's eye mm -hmm. of the ancient Jewish reader here is the person who's got the least faith, the worst who's of the furthest worst. from the kingdom, oh, furthest yes. from God. That person can do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the sort of thing that the connection between the faith part and this is yeah. that sense of the disciples being like, we just can't do it. We need We need something extra to be able to do it. Yeah. And then you have an example of someone who's got nothing. nothing. They, yeah. they ain't got a hope of doing the right thing, mm -hmm. but they do. And Jesus says yeah, it's his it. faith that yeah. made him well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, so he's yeah. recognizing this kernel of faith in the Samaritan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. Uh, and a, and I don't know, it's a, there's an encouragement to just use the faith mm -hmm. we've got. Mm -hmm. I wonder... This would be like a good question for communities this week. Is there something where you feel like you could be exercising your faith? Mm, Maybe mm. even something God said, like take this step of faith. Mm. It could be to forgive someone. It could be to repent. Mm. It, could, you know, it could be all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <coughs> and you're feeling like, yeah, but I just don't think I have within me what it needs to do that, especially in a culture where we're taught we're quite risk averse. Despite mm -hmm. being entrepreneurial, we mm -hmm. tend we tend to move towards risk from positions of strength. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the kind of dynamic we're used to. And the invitation mm -hmm. is here, like faith enables you to move towards things from a position of weakness. And the disciples Which isn't really weakness anyway. It isn't. And that's where the <laughs> disciples were they thought mm -hmm. they needed like they felt yeah. like surely we need more faith because we feel like we feel weaker than we thought we would do if we had more faith. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is like, No, you you feel just fine. Hmm. And so that's sort of reassuring to me if I'm in that place. It's almost like Jesus putting a hand on the shoulder of me trembling in the weakness, hmm. being like, I, I see the step of faith, but I just I can't do it. And Jesus being like, you can. It's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not about you. It's like, it's okay. Let's take the step. Come on. That's a great community group question. It's also a great question just to ask somebody over coffee this week 
um, maybe something that God's been put on your heart. Maybe he did like 10 years ago and you haven't stepped in faith to do it because you're waiting for more to be revealed by God yeah. in order to do it. Yeah. Like what if, what if he's given you that mustard seed and he's intentionally held back on revealing more to you because he wants to teach you something about how much faith you actually need. Yeah. Like yeah. what if that, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, and what's that thing? Yeah. I, I think it's because we do now the second half of this chapter, which we'll finish quickly here. Um, it's a little change of scene. Uh, whenever Luke says, someone came and asked him, it, right. it's like uh, we faded to black and then we right. enter a new scene. But um, the way Luke's writing, you know, I, I can see a little bit of a, a connection because Jesus now points forward to like, okay, so what about like when I'm gone? And, um, and you're thinking like, okay, so, you know, like we, we know the rest of the story. So like Jesus ascends up into the clouds and angels say like, he's coming back, Mm -hmm. like go do the things he told Mm -hmm. you to do while you wait. Um, and the Pharisees are wondering as well, like, you know, okay, when's, when's the fulfillment of everything going to happen? Um, which is super interesting because I I actually love this about Jesus's comments on this sort of thing all the time. Uh, it, it's like, you know, if Anna goes away and me and the kids are just partying, leaving a mess, cooking food, not washing mm-hmm. up, you know, like we really want to know when mom's coming back yeah. so we can clean the house. <laughs> it's like, why do you need to know when? Yeah. Like if you're living properly, yeah. it shouldn't matter when she yeah, walks through the door. Yeah. And that's actually in essence one of the things Jesus tries to try. He tries to resist the when question yeah. and the how question and the how can I tell question because he's like, why does that matter to you? You actually ought to live in anticipation of it all the time because that behavior should not actually be driven by a fear of being mm. found out, mm. but by actually embracing the values that lead to the mm. right behavior. Mm. So, so it's just interesting. So he says to the base, says the Pharisees asking and being like, you're not going to be able to tell. Mm-hmm. Like there's, 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 there isn't no, there is no warning. So if that's where your mind's at, you need to start doing the washing up because mum could walk through the door at any time and like you're not going to hear the car pulling up <laughs> to the driveway, you know. So it's kind of like if that's where your mind's at, just, yeah, you know. But but then he talks to the disciples because actually he's got a warning in the midst of this as well. And that's the interesting because the chapter started with a kind of watch yourself, watch your brother, in you know, be be active and be activated. Mm-hmm. Use your faith. Be um, Be forgiving be showing gratitude, be serving, don't be entitled. You know, it's like there's a lot of like mobilizing of stuff that's been happening in this chapter. And then I think he, he turns to the disciples and he says, hey, here's going to be one of the temptations that you're going to kind of normalize a world that's not looking for God to show up and do something. You're not looking for Jesus to come back. And if you are fooled if you kind of deceive yourself into thinking and it's not necessarily thinking it's never going to happen but thinking oh it's not going to happen now and it's almost like to use the analogy again like oh surely mum's not coming back today 
because you've kind of you've built a normal that just seems like hey this this is the normal this is secure this is the way things ought to be that there's a kind of deception in that and he says like and this keeps happening in human history yeah like god sent humans out of the garden and said you're gonna do some of what i called humans to do and to be but there's gonna be tension and it's broken and and he spoke over them mm. the anticipation of like i'm gonna fix this but real quickly we get humans acting like they've forgotten there's attention mm. they've forgotten it's broken and they're not anticipated so they're trying to make their peace with the brokenness and that's the picture of like noah you know and and before yeah. the, the flood came like people had normalized the brokenness of sodom and gomorrah before lot came out yeah. and god judged Sodom, they'd normalized the brokenness and um it, it you know jesus talks to his disciples about how um judgment is going to come and we kind of build this normalizing world where we uh, like measure ourselves by the people around us. We think we're mm -hmm, all getting mm -hmm. on fine together. Um, and we we see everything as being okay, but God sees it differently, which is why when God comes and judges, mm. we might be surprised that like, hey, that person got judged and this person didn't. Mm. Like that we're, we're not seeing things the right way. Um, and so it's a pretty stark warning um, to like, to not normalize the brokenness of this world. And, you know, I, th I think of that kind of, um, is it Abraham, you know, lived as a stranger because he knew he was a citizen of somewhere else. Right. He was a citizen of a heavenly kingdom. So he lived in the world as a sojourner, as, a, as someone traveling through. And traveling through didn't mean he was detached and isolated. He he blessed, he engaged, he had like a rich influence along his life traveling through the world. But he never made the brokenness of this world his home in the sense of like, this is the way I want things to be. And so... Yeah, there's a there's a there's a deception to this world. I think Jesus is warning about, and it, I, I I don't know. There's a there's evocative phrase in the middle of it where one of the pictures is like Lot and his family fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah, getting out of a normal. Mm. And the whole story there is really interesting because God rescues Lot because of Abraham. It's not like Lot's in the city being like, yeah. "This place is crazy. It's terrible. Yeah. It's awful. If only we could get out of here." No, Lot's actually kind of made his peace with it. Yeah. And it's the intervention of Abraham where the angels then like, okay, I'll go get Lot out. Yeah. So so Lot and his family are deceived and Lot's wife looks back yeah. and doesn't escape. Pillar of salt. And, and ends up getting judged. Yeah. She, she becomes a symbol of like the, the, the danger, you know. So... I don't know. It's uh, like Lot is a picture of being aware of the danger, but that God can save us. Lot's wife is a picture of like God can save us, but we can resist being saved. Mm, mm. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples about how to live in the world, knowing it's a broken world. So it's a, 
and and it's using like all of this imagery that draws from like apocalyptic literature right. and you know, things like this. So it's a sort of really dramatic picture, um, and it's like uh, the apocalyptic sort of uh, stylized pictures like that are supposed to be sort of hyperbolically dramatic, melodramatic, mm-hmm. to sort of make us think, to be evocative. Um, uh, we, so I think, you know, Jesus is saying something quite important by using all of this stuff that he's really trying to jerk their attention to realize there's something to be really careful about here. And, and I think that's so interesting, given that the last, like the first pearl on the string was about there's going to be temptations. You Sometimes you're going to need to rebuke others. Sometimes you're going to need mm-hmm. to be rebuked. Sometimes you're going to need to repent. Sometimes you're going to need to forgive. And so, yeah, and, Re- and, really interesting into the chapter. And, and as, uh, I mean, maybe as you see this apocalyptic literature, you know, this vision, you know, at the end of the chapter, I think of the beginning here, and then woe to you, it would be better, you know, this millstone. You know, I mean, that's another, like, can't imagine horrible, awful thing happening, Mm -hmm. you know, and relating that, causing someone to stumble, someone vulnerable to stumble. Like, it's these two things are live this way, live in a way that you're not causing someone Mm -hmm. to stumble, um, and you're you're also expecting it to, that the Lord could come back, you know, when he, mom's going to show up anytime, just live a certain way yeah yeah and uh, there's that refrain which has cropped up and variations on it have cropped up throughout all the gospels it's like it seems like it was a really common thing jesus Mm. talked about Mm -hmm. whoever wants to preserve his life will lose it yeah but whoever loses his life will keep it so to kind of translate it into the context it's maybe like whoever seeks to create like security and peace and what they think is a blessed life by preserving their place in this world, by living in hmm. in this world. It um by by I don't know, leveraging the worldliness to create a worldly version of life, you're actually gonna find that that's gonna turn to dust hmm. and just fall through your fingers and you'll be left with nothing. Yeah. But whoever loses those things they'll end up, it's kind of the Beatitudes mm-hmm. again, you know, like seeing the now differently. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so many power, like building your rock on, building your house yeah. on the rock, not yeah. the sand. There's, there's, there's so many aspects like where this keeps cropping up, where Jesus is saying like, hey, the world's way of looking at things is like, I'm going to create safety. And Jesus, the way of the kingdom is like, God will give you safety and security mm. so you can actually live a cross-shaped life. You can give mm. up and and the faith thing, like lean into risk in the way that God can use you in this world. And you're actually going to find that that's how you discover like a richness, a blessedness, a safety, a peace, yeah. like all of these things that the world strives after, but is it has a deceptive, vacuous version of. Yeah. Mm. I like how in this last section, I was just thinking about how 
um, it's, it's just an acknowledgement by God that there is tension and he is what he's asking of his people um, to to live in this tension with just a mustard seed of faith, it, with the expectancy of his return, remembering that he's going to return. And like for us living today, um, this side of the return of Christ, when we notice in our world this horrible sinful state that we live in the world is troubling i mean just mm-hmm. look at the news it's it's you can just get depressed so quickly and and we do when we forget the hope of the lord and so to just encourage like each other to not lose hope because we can live with expectancy that god will and has done something about it and he he will return to make all things right, but, but we have a job to do right here when we wait, mm-hmm. and that is to shine his light and to remember ourselves the hope in spite of the sin of the world and the sin also within us and our wrong heart attitude sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's the kind good. of, like, it's like the cheesy thing we say a little bit because it's an overused phrase, but like, be in the world but not of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a reason that became a cheesy phrase because mm-hmm. that distills a lot of this stuff into a simple sentence to help us remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I prefer the, like, living as a sojourner who yeah. like, was part it's of a, a different kingdom because mm-hmm. it's, it sounds a bit more poetic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's, the, that's what Jesus, by sending his spirit, is like he creates within us little temples of a different reality little like we carry about with us we're all little garden of edens and as like we join up like there's a sense in which we the church the people are this larger garden of eden in this world but it's a work that's becoming that's inaugurated but um until jesus comes back the kingdom will not have fully come like the work will not be complete. Mm. And so there's a risk, always a risk of thinking, I don't know, my church, my ministry, my home is blessed enough. My, you know, things are good enough that like, oh, I'm not sojourner anymore. No, in this world, we will always be sojourners. And it doesn't mean everything in the world's evil and there's nothing to affirm and it's all going to, mm. it just means there is, a brokenness, mm-hmm. a deep brokenness, mm-hmm. a pervasive brokenness, and so. Well, and it, I, I mean, I we, take we're a, be aware of that. I take yeah. away from this too, like there's to always be, you know, if this last portion is expectant, this sort of expectation of um, of this future state, but there's an ongoing, even in, don't just rest in that expectancy even in the midst while expecting there's a call on my life to be different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 well that was so we finished with like a bit of a warning it's a bit of a downer but that's okay <laughs> maybe that's good that like sit with us think about that mull mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. and keep reading this over and you know see what the spirit highlights for us uh, in our life this week so yeah. go do that go enjoy reading be in community talk about it process pray together And then we'll catch you next week. See you for chapter Chapter 18 18. for lots more fun. Bye. Bye.